0: Nerds, librarians, I feel like we should just come off the top of this one apologizing. <laughs> People like it when we get feisty. <laughs> Is that what we are? I don't know. Was I just sexist against myself? <laughs> Is that possible? I guess so. Mm, I don't know. Anyway, um, I-, I hope you all are ready to uh, hear some angry rants. Uh, mostly from me. Um mm-hmm. Although I had to jump in there, you got me all yeah, fired up. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I went, I went, you know, down a bit of a ranty rabbit hole, I guess you could say, uh, just about some things that have been going on in the sort of academic librarian community uh, around the, the the framework and the standards and. And all of that stuff.
1: <laughs> and if you're in the know, you know what framework and standards she's talking about, but we'll unpack it all.
0: Yeah. And if you don't know, um, if you want to go back and listen to episode 57 before you listen to this one, it might give you a little bit of a better grounding um, a and also give a little bit more context <laughs> to my, to my uh, you know, mindless screams and hmm. screeches. Um, but before that, we have... A book that sucks.
1: Yep. A video game that sucks. Yep. And a TV show that sucks. Yep. And then a book that was pretty good.
0: Yeah. So, you know that's something to look forward to, I guess. Um <laughs> so if you're if you're looking for, you know, hopeful commentary on the the future of our profession, this is not the the week for you. Um just <laughs> join us in two weeks when we're hopefully Sometimes talking about something a little gotta, bit more.
1: Just gotta get your ranties yeah. out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I guess then we should just Go ahead and get this rant started. I'm Allie Sullivan and annoy, tiny blonde one, annoy like the wind.
1: <sighs> and I'm Sam Mills and would that it were so simple.
0: Sam. Mm hmm. I'm afraid I drunk
1: the haterade. Was it grape flavor? <laughs>
0: no um so i'm just in a very ranty mood today i guess and for my mind grapes um i mean one good thing is i saw love and friendship again because it's great Um, i still haven't seen it oh my god so good uh it's super cute it's playing that you should go anyway that's the good thing i did this week Mm -hmm. other things i had to talk about so uh i read a book and i'm playing a video game and they They're were both super both wonderful. Dumb. And I love them. Oh. I did not like them. Well, I'm not done the video game. I need to just. I just need to finish it. I'm like, you know, just. just I, I love it when we do negative critical mindgrants. <laughs> oh man, come <laughs> at me. All right, so uh, stupid thing. The first. Um, so Ernest Klein wrote Ready Player One. Uh huh. I actually quite enjoyed Ready Player One. I have heard good things about. Um. That one. Yeah. It's it's a you know it's a cute book. It's got a cute little story. You know, like. Very nerdy, referential humor. I feel like you might have actually done it on a previous migraines. It could have very well been. I read it a long time ago, but, you know, it was, it was cute, and I liked it. Um, and then his second book is called Armada. I have not heard of it. So, well, it's Smith's second book. Mm-hmm. It is wubbish. Ooh. True wubbish. I like, mean, content-wise, style-wise? Both. Mm. Because it's pretty much an exact rehash. Ooh.
1: Um. So, like, it's like one of those sequels that like hits all the same notes again, but it's not winking at you while it does it.
0: I, well, I guess ev- even if it is winking at me, it's like okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, you know, just the distinct lack of any kind of diversity. Uh, just, mm. So you know, I mean, I guess none of the none of the characters are racialized in any way, which. I find tends to lead to sort of Harry Potter syndrome where if there's no racialized characteristics we tend to default white. Um so things yeah. like I'm thinking like Hermione oh, yeah. like uh, you know black Hermione is now my canon Hermione because I'm like why not? That would well, be she's great. Now J.K. Rowling's Which also canon Hermione too. Yeah, that's true. And also very interesting when you start to consider her her um, John and I were talking about this earlier because there's oh there's a new podcast called Witch Please. I don't know how new it is, but it's really good. It's a, it's a Harry Potter show. Um, I guess that's a good thing I can mention. But anyway, <laughs> I can talk about Witch Please some other time. Um, but uh, if if you read Hermione as a black character then her sort of interaction with the whole spew thing becomes really interesting in a way that it, it's no longer white female messiah feminism interesting yeah
1: because yeah. i sort of i thought about it in the context of like you know her being called a mudblood and yeah. having to fight for recognition and yeah. all that and you get this like racialized element not just a feminist element but but yeah that's even more interesting so anyway
0: yeah that's something we can talk about later what Was i talking about okay so yes presumed yeah. presumed white yes presumed white and in this book's case male everybody hmm. um <laughs> you know and is it still in like a near future like video game <laughs> yeah well exactly and- so the the premise of the book is that um there's a kid who's like 18 or 19 presumed white i guess um discovers like his father died when he was not even born yet or like Mm -hmm. unlike like an infant um and he still has his all of his father's old stuff and his father was like an old school video game master like the kind who actually went to arcades and like took pictures of his high scores and sent away for the patches and then like put them on a jacket like he's super cool. And so then at one point he finds or he goes up and he sees all of his dad's old diaries and his dad's diaries talk about this conspiracy that he thinks is going on that video games are actually and this is a this is a legit conspiracy. Um like you can actually read about this theory online like <laughs> I was talking to, to Matthew Murray, a friend of the podcast, about it, and he was like, Oh, yeah, it's like, it's like I read that Wikipedia 2 article, Ernest Klein, um, <laughs> about how video games are actually training us to become sort of virtual alien fighters. Right? Okay, so, like, so, yeah,
1: so like yeah, so like an Ender's Game, Tron. Yeah, exactly, type exactly. Situation. Yeah, all so right. so
0: that kind of thing, and like not just video games, but all of the science fiction that we've been consuming up to this point has this sort of ultimate goal in mind. And um, you know, so the the game that's in question here is, is called Armada. It's the it's our it's our main character's favorite game, and he's very very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the top three was it top ten ranked players in the world um of this of this game so clearly he's he's our messiah figure um and then we've got his two friends that speak two or three lines um who are also presumed white i mean i can't say otherwise mm-hmm. but you know i don't know they're not really it's not made clear um see what
1: you want about arson scott card but a was definitely not a white kid yeah Well, <laughs> oh, i think we have an episode title um <laughs>
0: anyway so um so I mean spoiler alert if you really want to read Armada just let's set up the premise and you can skip forward a bit um but it's all true I feel like even if they skip forward they figured that out (laughs) yeah probably um it's it's, a terrible book don't waste your time um (laughs) So, of course, the aliens are coming, and now they actually have to fight them and um so it has to be this this combination fight of the people who play armada who are like the space fighters they, they fly space drones um, and then there's also the people in terra firma who in this game called Terra firma, which who are the um the like the, they're the earth bound robot fighters
1: it 's like he read Ender's game, and all he got from it was the Video game part,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so um, there's approximately one major female character who serves to be um, Deus Ex Machina tech wizard slash sexual object um, for this 19 year old kid.
1: Continuing with my comparisons, there are two major female <laughs>
0: characters in Ender's <laughs> Game, and neither of them are sexualized. Oh, They're yucky, oh yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> I can't believe you're defending that hideous homophobe. Anyway. Well, depending on the book. Oh, okay, okay. We've had this discussion. We have.
1: This is true. <laughs> it
0: is a true piece of
1: literature, <laughs> is my point, and it sounds like this is a hacky ripoff of it. Yeah,
0: it is. Um, And then there's other, like, very peripheral, like, th- I think two other female characters who round out the, like, top ten of the top players in the world. Of course, the other eight are men, because, um... Duh. Duh. Um, no, it was just... <sighs> It was just hacky and bad, and like I, I just I fumed as I read it because I was just like, this is predictable, this is insulting. Like, wh- where are the women? <laughs> Why, <laughs> you know? And this this one girl's like, I'm 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 sure that if if, if Ernest Klein were to come to his own defense, he'd be like, oh, well, these women are great at this game. I'm like, yeah, but. Her entire personality is she has cool tattoos, she's a 23-year-old who makes out with a 19-year-old kid and she's good at technology. These are her these are her car- oh, she's and she's like she's got one of those like oh she's a strong woman with those big air quotes. She sounds know? like just a very Which specific means she's type snarky of and man bitchy, bitchy like, like, girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that no it's just like made me want to flip a table so it was ugh yeah so i finished it i read the whole thing by the time i got to the end i was very happy that it was over um it was like i said entirely predictable and (sighs) yeah that sounds boring it was very boring it was a bad book um, the other thing I'm playing that I don't like is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I need, I'm going to need to go have like a rage Were you nap. you doing
1: these overlapping? Are you sure one didn't like influence your hatred of no, the other?
0: No, no. I, I, I actually finished Armada quite a while ago, but, hmm. um, I started playing, uh, so it's a Nintendo DS game or 3DS or whatever it is. And that's the, the latest of the Mario franchise. So um, back in the uh, good old GameCube days, there was a game called Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Um, it was the second in the Paper Mario series. I have a vague recollection
1: of the original Paper Mario.
0: Yeah. And the original Paper Mario was good, but it was weird whereas it just a lot of Mario games. Yeah. But like but but other Mario games have a very very specified formula. Mm. You know, like, you know, field, forest, underwater, caves, um fi- like Bowser all weird
1: shit on your TV. I
0: don't know anything about Mario that. Mario Paint. I don't know what that is. Oh, I'm old. Sorry. Um <laughs> 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 Anyway, so, so Thousand Year Door was a great game. And it's, um, it, it's, it, it, features more like a Japanese RPG, a JRPG. Um, whereas like you go through the story and it's turn based combat. So like instead of fighting a monster as you see it, you like run into an enemy and then you have like maybe a series of enemies. And it's like, you choose attack, then they choose attack, then you choose attack, then they choose attack. Oh,
1: it sounds so boring. Oh God, it's so much
0: fun. Any, all the Final Fantasy games are like this oh boring oh god okay i can't even i can't even with you right now but um (laughs) so paper mario was really great um and the thing that was really cool about it too is they did a lot of innovative stuff which they don't usually do with Mario titles which is why Paper Mario was so interesting And because you know there were levels where it's like you have to solve an Agatha Christie style murder mystery and then there was a level where you had to win the champion belt at this weird wrestling match in the sky it kind of like, sounds it was like cool. the Mario developers were doing their own internal version of Mario
1: Maker where they like yeah. all got to do their own thing
0: yeah like it's very neat and um, it was a great game I really loved it and so uh, next game to talk about is bowser's inside story which is the first sort of ds title in this new sort of it's not it's not a super mario game it's something that's a little bit different so again plays like an rpg more of a storytelling game and the idea is that mario and luigi got shrunk down and had got eaten by bowser basically and so you have to escape bowser it's like a magic school bus like pluto nash
1: situation not pluto nash what's that other eddie murphy movie
0: oh um with bill murray yes something in zax something in drax something in i don't know it inside was that was a good something. one though anyway it's yeah. one of those
1: things where people are tiny and they're inside a person
0: yes and you have to get out and that game's actually really quite fun and innovative and neat um who bowser's insides look like they're really weird mm. yeah um <laughs> but um paper th- this this game i'm playing is called paper jam And it's like they took all of the worst parts of Paper Mario and all of the worst parts of Bowser's Inside Story and just mushed them right together. Um, Yeah, there's a there's a guy who does uh, video game reviews um, called Yahtzee on uh, the video game journalism site Escapist. Mm hmm. And he does their his his reviews are called zero punctuation. He's been doing them for probably like six or seven years. Um the idea is that he's he talks really, really fast through the entire thing. Um, but his his review of this game was so spot on that like it's formulaic in the worst possible way. Um, and uh, like it's just. Yeah, it's just bad. And again, I'm just playing it for completion. I'm almost done. Nintendo's been playing out a lot
1: of stuff lately, I feel like. Maybe they just like. I don't know. One thing too many? Like David E. Kelly style? He was only good when he only ever had one TV show at a time? Maybe,
0: yeah. I don't know. Like. I, I'm interested to see what Nintendo has to offer next. You know, like I, I'm definitely, I'm probably going to get the the new Nintendo system when it comes out, pretty much just to play um, Breath of the Wild, which is the new Zelda game. Because mm. E3 and it was so pretty. Is Nintendo own Pokemon? Yes. So they
1: also just put out that Pokemon Go game, right? Not
0: in Canada, they didn't. Oh, <sighs>
1: Griffin says it's terrible.
0: Oh, Griffin. He's like really disappointed
1: because he likes all the like super detailed, like yeah. yeah pokemon stuff and it's basically Aww. just like there's a charmander in your room collect it apparently i don't know tangent that makes me sad anyway but it does seem like they've been putting out a lot of shit so maybe they were like oh we have these pieces of these old games and they're not very good but we'll jam them together people will buy them
0: yeah well i think the thing about nintendo is often they try to i mean they're one of the more innovative hmm. studios you know they, they do like to try and new that's things that's why they've been around
1: for like 30 30- Forty years probably. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean they I mean they've been
1: around for I mean the original Mario Brothers is what, eighty six?
0: Something like that. Yeah. But Nintendo originally started as a toy company. Like the company Nintendo's been around for oh. ha- like like a hundred years, I think. But then oh, wow. like they started electronic gaming in the eighties.
1: Hmm.
0: Um anywho, paper paper jam is bad. Um Armada is bad. And I've been consoling myself with the second season of iZombie, which is good, and also rewatching Veronica Mars, which is good. So well, good. I'm glad yeah. that you found some palate cleansers. <laughs> All right, Sam. Let's you know before before we then start rolling back into my my rant mm-hmm. hill. Mm-hmm. Get it? Um, like well,
1: the main thing I'm going to talk about I actually did like, but there actually is something I recently discovered that I hated and I stopped really quickly. Huh. Um, so let's start there while we're on. <laughs> this uh this side of things everyone's gonna think we're so angry no criticism is good it Mm. makes stuff better so um if you follow me on twitter you would have seen a tweet recently where i basically called the circus boys club bullshit so the circus is this documentary series by these two dudes whose names i don't remember but you can google them and they're bloomberg news reporters um They both apparently have been covering presidential elections for a really long time and are super good at it. And then they have a third friend with them in the circus, which is this dude whose name is like Mark McKinnon or something like that. Again, you can Google him. And he is apparently a very talented political strategist who in the current election cycle doesn't seem to be working for anybody. Just wandering from campaign camp to campaign camp in his cowboy hat, scarf and Red puffy jacket that he he is always wearing. Um, so That's an interesting. Treat. I saw the two reporter guys be interviewed by Trevor Noah. ok. and, trusting the daily show as i have for pretty much my entire adult life when trevor noah had these guys on and told them to their faces that he thought they were doing really interesting work on this show they were doing i was like oh i'd like to see something a little more in depth about the craziness of this election cycle especially cuz the daily show's off for a couple weeks so i decided to start watching it from the beginning and it started back in january at the sort of beginning of the primary season um well, not really the beginning of the primary season because they're insane and their election cycle is like 18 months long, but the beginning, beginning. Mm. Um, And it's really not good. Mm. It's just like the three of them wandering from place to place following these candidates around and the bulk of it seems to be shaky documentary style camera shots of the two of them being filmed by real cameras on their news set, filming little parts of their
0: show, interspliced with the three of them. It's like a filmmaker them. who's trying to catch God with his camera, but he doesn't realize that his camera is God. And it just goes around and around and around and around and around.
1: No, if Craig Pendleton had made this, it would be a lot more interesting.
0: Oh, what was that it was an Abed,
1: <laughs> abed,
0: abed, abed.
1: Um... Well, at least I got the right show. Anyway, and then it's intercut with shots of the three of them sitting around together drinking coffee, talking in very surfacey ways, like your co-workers who don't really know anything about American politics, about the people who have dropped out. And then the third piece of it, which seems to be the piece that's making people say that this is like a interesting, groundbreaking series, is that... Because they've been part of this political machine for so long, they get a lot of backstage access to the candidates. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of like one of them on Trump's jet, like watching him do a Skype interview with somebody and talking to his family or... um them having a really heartwarming conversation with Bernie Sanders's wife, who is a sweetheart and tells a very sweet story about how they were out. And this is my only part that I liked. They were out at Denny's for breakfast, <laughs> Sanders, and they were making the final decision about whether or not he would run. And he said he wouldn't do it if she wasn't like 100 percent in it with him. And then just at that moment, according to her, um, a local veteran came by and stopped and said he was sorry to interrupt them, but he wanted to thank Sanders for all the work he had done in Vermont for veterans and that if he if he was going to run, he would be 100% behind him and do whatever he needed to do. And she was like, well. <laughs> um, but so it's, it's things like that. And also they seem weirdly obsessed with Kasich and the fact that he likes to tell dumb jokes to be charming and they're all like trying to come up with dumb jokes to like tell Kasich to get a smile out of him. So it's just very like... It's this incredibly uncritical... I hardly even remember
0: who that guy is.
1: uh, It's this uncritical boys club, like, look at us. We're basking in the reflected glory of our backstage passes that we get for being part of this machine for so long. Mm. But we're not really going to talk about any of these people's policies or what sort of presidents they'd be. And fair enough, the setup of the show is... It's about the circus, right? The process, mm-hmm. but you can't really divorce that from like who these people are and what they would do if they were elected, right?
0: Well, you can, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, but um, it seems like that's what they've done. Yeah. So,
1: I watched three episodes and I was like, ah, no, no, <laughs> waste of time. I would rather just rewatch episodes of The Daily Show. Yeah. So <laughs> that was bad. But I also um, just finished reading *The Illegal* by Lawrence Hill, and okay, it was of, quite of- good. He wrote The Book of Negroes. That's probably his highest highest profile thing. Yeah, Yeah. Um, He is also, fun fact, the brother of Dan Hill. I don't
0: know who that is.
1: Sometimes when we touch.
0: I thought that was Paul Anka.
1: The honesty's too much.
0: Or or perhaps like a. And I
1: have to close my eyes (laughs) and cry. Oh, I'm so
0: happy
1: for you. I (laughs) want to hold you till I die till we both break down and cry i'm just gonna let you finish at this point i wanna hold you till the fear in me subsides uh anyway that's dan hill are you quite done yes okay those are the only words i remember um other fun (laughs) fact i grew up on the same street as dan hill and his family and my brother and his son david were friends when they were little kids Cool. Uh, and he used to bring a Walkman with demo tapes on it to neighborhood barbecues and be like, hey, listen to this. And it was usually not great. Anyway, <laughs> Lawrence Hill, yes. um, I would say, is the more talented of the two brothers. Although mm-hmm. if there's a like fairly mainstream pop or country artist out there who was super popular in the 90s, who you are a fan of, you probably like a song that was written by Dan Hill because he yeah. did a lot of writing too. Yeah, um, But Beside the point. So Lawrence Hill, his brother, is a literary fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Book of Negroes I haven't read or watched, um, but it's kind of a history of like Canadian Africans, African Canadians. However, we phrase that. I think John we don't use read the phrase a as class. much as as African Americans do. Um, Afro Canadians. Yeah, I feel like that might be a thing that's used. <laughs> anyway, Canadians of African descent and mm-hmm. sort of their like family histories and that kind of thing. I. I get the sense and like, please, please tell me if I am wrong, because I haven't actually read it, that it's a little bit like a roots-ish type thing, but for Canada specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also wrote this other book more recently called The Illegal. And I was really interested in it after re- um, listening to an interview with him. Uh, I might have been on Writers and Company or Day Six. I might have been Becky Toyn on day six who does a lot of book reviews. Anyhow, it sounded interesting because it's actually set in the near future. Um, 2018, 2019 is when most of it happens. And it was written in like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of this man whose name is Keita Ali. Um, and he is born and grows up partially in um, a country called Zontoro land. Which is sort of off the coast of a larger country called Freedom State. And then both of them are relatively close to Africa. Zontoriland and Freedom State do not exist. (laughs) (laughs) But he uses them as this sort of microcosm for the relationship of wealthy colonial countries to their smaller, poorer, but often with a longer history of civilization um, counterparts. Mm-hmm. And so Zontaroland is very small and very poor and our government is very corrupt. Um, freedom state, also pretty corrupt, but most people there are a white mm-hmm. um, because when they were done with their slaves, they deported most of them back to Zontaroland and are okay. still in the process of doing that. Um, and also quite well off for the most part. Sure. Um, lots more infrastructure, things like that. Although there's an area in the largest city um, of Freedom State. I can't remember the name of the city, but the name of the area is Afric Town, mm. which is kind of funny because there's a lot of distinction made between Africans and Zontoro landers. They are not the same thing, even mm-hmm. if maybe they share ancestry way, way back. Um, so Kida is black. He's the son of... Um, Zontoroland's most famous journalist, um, Yo-Yo Ali, who writes stories for the New York Times and the Guardian and places all over the world. Mm -hmm. And when um, Kita is a young teenager who really is just like obsessed with becoming an Olympic runner because Mm -hmm. great runners come out of Zontoroland. It's like one of their only sort of exports they are super proud of. Sure. Um, He's been running his whole life and training for this. Um, Yo-Yo starts to uncover a story about corruption within the government to the point where he is abducted by the Land government and ends up dead. Mm-hmm. I'm not really ruining anything because this happens pretty early on. Um, Keita's sister, Charity, has already gone off to Harvard because she's mm-hmm. a high achiever in another area. Yeah. <laughs> um, but once his father dies, he can't get a hold of her. And so mm. he... Um, signs with a running coach that's been kind of like trying to get him to sign, but he didn't want to leave his father. Uh, and that running coach gives him passage to freedom state where he's supposed to start competing in marathons and most of his money will go to this mm-hmm. pretty corrupt coach. Yeah. Um, and it kind of goes from there. So you stay with Keto for most of the beginning part of the story, but then you also jump around to um, the story of a black gay female disabled but very, very talented. I shouldn't say but, but, you know, she's a very talented reporter, which kind of throws people off because I don't expect that from her, mm-hmm. um, who is a native of Freedom State, but is very into sort of uncovering this government corruption, and he crosses paths with her. He also crosses paths with one of the few um, uncorrupt cops in Freedom State, as well as a little old wealthy white woman who nonetheless is one of the few white people in in freedom state willing to sort of do something and stand up for people like him um and ends up intertwined with her and so it's this sort of series of like the lives of these people at all different rungs of society in both of these countries and how this corruption and racism and the refugee experience kind of affect all of them in different ways Mm -hmm. um The ending is a little pat, it's a little trite, it happens a little fast, but the rest of it is just really beautifully written, very sparse, and in amongst all of the politics and racism and commentary on sort of how humans treat each other are also these really beautiful passages about running Mm -hmm. and about how much he loves running and how um it's sort of this one pure like beautiful part of his life um and even that starts to get threatened by all the things around him and that part's really lovely too so very enjoyable very like i don't know it gets you fired up in some ways but mm-hmm. the prose was so lovely it was just yeah. kind of a nice read
0: <laughs> good yeah. well I'm, I'm glad that we could you know also recommend something that's uh, good and, and wholesome and probably should be read yeah yeah <laughs>
1: And if you're doing the diverse reading challenge at your library, Uh, I think it got me like six points. But actually, I was kind of proud that that wasn't the reason why I picked it up. So so yeah, I would recommend Lawrence Hill. And I actually have a copy of the Book of Negroes that I picked up a while ago. So I think I'm going to read it
0: next. Fabulous.
1: It's reroll time.
0: Yes. Well, I have things to say Mm -hmm. about things... I know about. Um, so back in episode 57, I believe the title is uh, Let's Not Throw Any Babies Out With Any Bathwater or something like that. That was a good one. Um, and let me tell you, Sam, someone decided to throw them babies right out with them bathwater. <laughs> someone done shit the bed, Sam. Interesting. Yeah. Um <laughs> So if uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's where I talk about the um, Association of College and Research Libraries Framework for Information Literacy Education for Higher Education or something like that. I don't remember anymore, but yeah, yeah. I, it's a
1: framework of standards for information literacy. Well, no,
0: it's not a framework for standards. It's a framework. And then the standards are the standards.
1: Framework of standards?
0: No. Standards are the standards and the framework is the framework. They're two different documents.
1: Oh, OK.
0: Yeah. You remember? it's all coming back to you um (laughs) so push your mic this way that's what you meant Mm -hmm. i thought you were telling me to to get closer Anywho,
1: opposite always the opposite of that
0: (laughs) thanks i'll Uh, fix all this i feel i feel better about that now um anyway so the framework is the framework standards are the standards they're actually two different documents um standards were written in the year 2000 give a series of learning outcomes based around information literacy framework is a framework that's based on uh threshold learning concepts so it's very high level not as boots on the ground does this any is ringing any bells the standards
1: are the actual like skills based yes. part of it right i think yeah. that's the only part i ever
0: used yeah, no, you you wouldn't have used the framework. Framework yeah. just came out last year, so oh, I see. So they've just changed the name of it. No, Sam, we did a whole episode. No, no, no. <laughs> I
1: mean I know they changed the content, <laughs> but it also has a different name. It's not just like a new version of.
0: No, it wasn't a new gotcha. version at all. Okay, um, and so if you go back and listen to that episode, you'll hear me explain the difference between the two and what their value is and everything like that. So, I guess what I have is a bit of a rant and it's also a bit of an ouroboros of a rant because this is a rant that eats its own tail because <laughs> rant part 1 uh yeah ACRL has decided they m- said this at the ACR at the ALA conference that they are actually going to rescind the standards so the information literacy standards for higher education document that was written in the year 2000 a document that it has been hugely influential on information literacy programs you built a toolkit based on this Mm -hmm. uh standard um that they've decided just to rescind it okay so i mean that in itself
1: makes sense to me as like an educational framework move because that's happening a lot now right we're seeing I was just telling you that I went to a somewhat abstract and dry but but useful um, <laughs> session on the changes to the BC curriculum this morning, Yeah, yeah. like the BC K-12 curriculum, and what they're doing is kind of the same. They're removing the prescribed learning outcomes from the curriculum mm-hmm. and replacing that with these kind of high-level um, competencies that can okay. be interpreted a lot more broadly by mm. teachers.
0: Okay. So yeah, so it's it's very similar. I guess this kind must of just on be on trend. Yeah, this must just be a thing that's on trend on the, you know, pedagogical spectrum mm. at the moment. But my big takeaway from that episode was let's not throw out any babies with any bathwater. Let's not get rid of the standards just because we have this new shiny framework. Mm. Partially because um, it, I think its aims are, are quite different, um, its language is quite different, um, Like the way that it can be implemented is quite different, and B, because there's a lot of librarians who aren't comfortable with the framework um, for any number of reasons, but um, I think my primary takeaway, I just listened back to the episode, and I think our primary takeaway was that it, it's going to take a lot of work, it's going to mm-hmm. take a lot of institutional buy-in, um, and it's also openly hostile toward the one shot um which is the training methods that we most often see in the library.
1: Right, cuz when you step back a little and you have these competencies people are supposed to achieve, it's sort yeah. of it's sort inherent in that is you're going to have them for long enough yeah. the students, the learners that they're going to have the time to achieve a competency versus and get those... demonstrate a specific concrete skill.
0: Yeah, and so getting getting toward those those aha moments. That's the big thing with threshold concepts is mm. there's a threshold at which you don't get the concept. You don't get the concept. Oh, you get the concept. Like, it's that kind of like, yeah. oh, sort of thing that you're hoping to achieve with the threshold concept. So um, that doesn't it doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's fine. I was like, okay, so people can have both. You can have your chocolate. You can have your peanut butter. You can have them both together. It's not, you know, like they work fine together. There's no reason to get rid of one. So <laughs>
1: after them being out for what, a year?
0: Yeah, it's been about a year and a half. They came out in January of twenty fifteen. ASRL has decided
1: no, we no longer endorse those previous standards.
0: Correct. So that fifteen year old document has been rescinded, whatever that means. Okay.
1: Yeah. Did they like? Did you hear anything in the discussion around that about their reasoning? I mean, I can uh, guess that not it, not but- particularly.
0: They um they did release a um a sort of like press release about it, and the press release was basically like. We are rescinding the standard. The end. So, yeah. So, I mean, rant part one, is that so stupid? Why would you rescind that? Like, why would you take that away? A lot of people still use that. A lot of people find utility. And Mm -hmm. the, and like, you know, the adoption of the threshold concepts and the adoption of the framework has not been, you know, without its bumps and potholes. A lot of people don't like it. And think it's too high level and and to suggest that it doesn't fit with their organization and what they're trying to do.
1: Well, it's harder to, to talk about and around those higher level concepts too, yeah. right? Like I'm thinking when Aaron and I built the faculty information literacy toolkit, our specific audience was faculty who yep. know how to do research and probably have a certain understanding of what information literacy is, but need to bridge where they are with where their first year students are Mm -hmm. and so we chose to use the standard because we were able to make some really concrete checklists out of it about skills that are being demonstrated in certain assignments Mm -hmm. or um abilities that you can assess students as not having and then assess them as having after they've been in yeah. your class and it sounds like the framework is at a much more abstract level than that. It and is at a more abstract. Probably level. harder to talk to faculty about among many other things.
0: Well, yes and no. It's it's harder to talk to faculty about because it is that higher level thing. But in some ways, because it's written so academically, I argued in the last episode that perhaps some faculty would have even more buy in because hmm. it is written in this higher level language. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it is – and, like, the work can be done to extrapolate things like learning objectives from the framework. And it provides,
1: I guess, more flexibility for yeah. librarians or teachers or whomever to do that. Right? Yeah.
0: So So, yeah, so you can extrapolate. But the thing I was saying is a lot of librarians may – be shying away from it because it would take a lot of work mm-hmm. and a lot of explanation and a lot you know and it, not to say that they're afraid of hard work you know that's not no, this the case so but it's like
1: interesting because it really is the same with k-12 teachers these yeah. women were talking this morning about how nervous k-12 teachers are getting some of them about this new set of curriculum standards because mm-hmm it feels like more work but they're yeah. trying to make the case that well no because we're taking away all the little tiny things that you need to check off we're yeah. giving you these few big things and then giving you the freedom to work around the big things Yeah, but people are like freaking I don't out like that, that lack of structure
0: yeah yeah lack of structure is a very good way to put it
1: what they're doing and they mentioned this a few times and I'm curious as to whether you've seen any discussion about this on the ACRL side of things is they're asking K to 12 teachers well K to 9 right now because they're not done the, the last part of it but they're asking them to sort of look at the new sets of competencies for whatever they're teaching and kind of pick one to like implement and play with and maybe the rest of their curriculum stays the way they've always been teaching it for a little while and they mm-hmm. focus on that one area and being flexible in that one area
0: yeah well i think i think i mean that's the thing about the the thing about the ACRL is it's it's such a higher level body that it's impossible for them to actually um you know monitor. they're not really an accrediting body they're not an either, accrediting the same body. way that the ministry no. of education is so, so the way that they're looking at the standard and the framework is saying this is the thing we currently endorse and mm-hmm. we no longer endorse that other thing like which shows that they're modernizing
1: themselves <laughs> like as, modernizing a, I could see as a brand new librarian going okay this is the sort of body that if not regulates then at least is informs, a resource for yeah my profession, I'm going to see what they say about how I should teach this thing. Yeah. It would be nice to see 2016 on that and not 2000. <laughs> you know what
0: yeah. I mean? Like- and there has been talk about how how have the standards been updated in the past 16 years? What has changed about them? Have there been committees formed to just sort of update the standard as opposed to rewrite this whole document? And the thing is, if you actually look at the drafts of the framework, there were drafts of the framework. I think the second draft in particular... That were more skills focused and that were did have some learning objectives, and they decided to remove those and i and i uh, what I took this as was a move to try to get these two documents to work in sort of an odd sync with each other, or like which it seems like they could do they could at different do levels so why did they rescind them <laughs> like it's yeah it's yeah. it's dumb, I think it's dumb that they rescinded them um so I so guess what what has the
1: response to that been like i'm assuming Kay. that's rant number rant two part
0: two yeah. <laughs> yeah so rant part two is that everybody needs to calm the fuck down like seriously like list serves oh my god i wish i could quit you like List serves are the worst. I did. I quit almost all of them like a See, month ago. You're smart, but
1: I I can't afford to do that. Especially the one you were talking about. I'm so mad at it. Yes, the it's the
0: information, the the ALA information literacy yeah. list serve, the Ili. My God, what a place. There's also an ACRL framework list serve that I belong to. But the thing, the thing about the list is everybody just flips out, right? Everyone's just so like, funny because you have to like take the time to type
1: into your email yeah. and think about all the people that you're replying all to. Yeah. like You would think it would be a place of more considered discussion for you'd, academics. You'd think. Rather than say like, I don't know, Twitter or something.
0: Yeah, but there was someone on the listserv who was like, first the Brexit and now this? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you need to get some perspective. And I, mean, I remember asking you if you thought they were joking and you were like, no. I don't think they are. No, dude, people on that list serve have no sense of humor. Like it's it's crazy. Um I hardly ever participate in it. <laughs> I mean, I I don't It's 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 kind of like when you get in when you get into like a Facebook flame war with a weird distant cousin who's mm-hmm. like, you know, a, a Trump supporter and who like you know loves his guns like it's 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 like it's not worth it to me to actually step into that muck and like the ILI listserv list serve is just oh my goodness i could not believe some of these people and how much they're freaking out and then and then then come in the tone police Ooh. oh my
1: god so these are the people who are not even concerned about the content they're just like
0: can we please have a more polite tone of discussion? Yeah, or they were saying things like, you know, I really felt like the way the ACRL is using the the framework is the people who were, the people who are really into the framework look down on the people who are still using the standards. Oh my god! Like, and I'm just
1: like, really? That's way crazier than what I thought you meant.
0: No, no, like I mean, like people like tone police definitely happens in listservs where people are like yeah can't we have a civil discussion but this was this was even worse and then a whole bunch of people jumped on that bandwagon and are like yeah like the framework simply doesn't work for my institution and the people who uh, who tout the framework is this magical document or big bully jerks who look uh, who look down on us because we're still using the older standard and, and just- it really kind
1: of sounds like there is a lot of blame to go around here because if I were the ACRl I would have provided some context and perhaps said like this is no longer the current version of this however the stuff that you built with it isn't garbage now
0: rant part third (laughs) where is the acrl police yeah like if the standards work for you Wonderful. Are you going to have to go to your like? Is your is your higher body of your institution going to be like coming down to and being like, oh no, you're using the standards. You have to rebuild everything you've ever done based on the framework. And now, like, they don't even like your higher.
1: There would be an unprecedented level of detailed interest in what the library is doing at right? most institutions. Right. Most of the time, they don't know what
0: we're doing anyway. <laughs> so, what does it matter if you're using the framework or if you're using the standard? Like. Everyone just needs to relax and do what works for them
1: and and sort of trust their professional judgment. We're so funny in librarianship about that. Like we we're so sort of free to do what we want in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. like all of the certification and oversight in our profession sort of comes at the beginning yeah. When we go to an ALA-accredited institution for our master's degrees, yeah. it doesn't. We don't have a college that we report to, or you know, our individual institutions will evaluate us and have frameworks to evaluate us mm-hmm. against. But, but we're sort of trusted to have learned enough through the at least two university degrees that we have successfully completed <laughs> to be able to judge for ourselves, like what's relevant and do needs assessments in our own communities and use the resources that make sense to us and it's just so funny that the moment that this sort of higher body says this one's out of date yeah, people just like like you're saying flip their shit when really if they thought about it critically for a moment they could be like oh, okay well I might have to eventually update that thing but it's still useful I uh-huh. used it yesterday
0: and I saw students understanding what I meant yeah. <laughs> like yeah it's like yeah so what we're gonna hand all the all the students a, a, a framework for information literacy for higher education and like they're now going to be policing us or like you know the Acrl is going to come and drag your learning objects away and <laughs> shoot them into space like I don't sorry mm. <laughs> but you're right it's irresponsible all around because- it is I, I I agree that it like I do think it was irresponsible for acrl to rescind the standard I without any kind of I mean like like I said the framework isn't a valid replacement i i think that they're um one of the people uh belabored a metaphor about how these things like these two documents can kind of work in in sort of a constellation with each other where like you know they may seem like these bunch of random things but you can kind of put them together and make a make a star bear sure. thing and like because you know- we are like
1: social yeah. so which means we find connections and make the connections that yeah. make sense to us and then of like, course
0: the listserv everyone attacks her for that belabored metaphor like oh i don't think the the constellation metaphor makes no. sense And i'm just like i'm so sick of these people i can't do listservs anymore i have
1: never understood <laughs> the point of them yeah they just seem so confusing slash full of ephemera
0: yeah i don't know i don't know if it makes me, give me a bad give me Twitter every day yeah or like yeah twitter twitter's great anyway <laughs> that is my ouroboros of a rant so you know rant part one acrl was stupid to rescind the standards rant part two everyone needs to calm their shit including myself hence the tail eating mm. then i guess rant part three is a little bit like who's gonna Who's going to tell you what to do? Yeah. And we really got
1: right back around to, like, the ASRL
0: being irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a big... Everything's just one big circle of pedagogical malarkey. Now,
1: we don't have, like, the largest podcast listening audience in the world, but we also don't have the largest professional community in the world. So if you are involved somehow Please. in the ACRL. I Let us know what's happening. Tell us your logic. Like we being, trust that
0: you do have logic. It's just that you didn't unpack it. Yeah, and being being Canadian, we're always also one step removed from this stuff too. Mm. Like what the CLA just went totally tits up. so It's now the CFLA. This <laughs> <laughs> is one more step <laughs> removed. Um, <laughs> because... Yeah, because the CLA like wasn't really working, but like we've got, we've got like you know the we've got the BCLA academic librarian group. We've also got like Capel and we've got Willow and we've got all these things. But like, yeah, we Copal? don't. Copel is the the public library one. No, no, Copel is the the consortium. Capel is something else. C A P A L. It's the Canadian Association for Something, an there are library, something in academic. as many acronyms in
1: librarianship as there are librarians
0: yeah i think it's like the canadian association for professional academic librarians CAPL. sure sure let's just go with that <gasps> um but yeah so like we have some of these things but canada is also a very large and like very uh decentralized country like mm. like you know a lot of people who don't live here don't realize that like you know, what goes on in Toronto has very little bearing on what happens to us here in Vancouver. Like, just look at all the, the weed dispensaries we have. All of those are technically illegal. But like <laughs> you know, Ottawa's not gonna march their jackbooted thugs down here to, to kick us out of our weed shops. Like anyway, I'm getting I'm, really I off wish You think just, I'm just got, got me on a ramp off <laughs> now
1: because Ranting about abstract academic concepts is one thing. Yeah,
0: ranting about the decentralization of Canadian politics is another. JT's on is his another. way here, man. You hey, know, hey. You gotta calm your shit. Oh, yeah, Toronto, he marched in our pride before he marched in yours. Was he here? Not last year, like a few years ago? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So suck so it. <laughs>
1: <sighs> We're both gonna sleep super well tonight, I think. Maybe,
0: yeah, maybe that's why I've been having like weird anxiety nightmares about my passport. Gotta, like, get it out. It's all your fault, ACRL. We should go on the deck after this and just scream. Oh, no, someone will call the police.
1: No, it'll, they'll just think it's that cat.
0: <laughs> For those of you who don't know, we live in the exact same neighborhood. <laughs> uh okay so what's going on in social media like man you guys were really happy that we we finally released an episode we were so
1: happy that you were so happy
0: yeah it was good it wasn't just mary either (laughs) thank you mary um but yeah so jeremy floyd had some really nice things to say about the episode he was there were lots of things on there that made him happy although the fact that he said we were talking about the future of libraries kind of makes me want to scream but at least he didn't say web
1: 2.0 That's true. That's true. 3.0. Whatever it is now. Yeah. You talked. He was happy that we recommended Cool Games Inc. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Cool Games Games Inc. Inc.
0: Fans. Um. So the other thing was is Jess Baker, the militant Baker. You talked about her book. She she liked one of our tweets about it, which was that was super fun. Super fun. She listens.
1: Hi, Jess. Hey.
0: (laughs) Um. Sarah was like, "This is the best episode ever, you guys." Which was so sweet. Yeah. Which is fun because we were we were drunk. Um. (laughs) Only a little bit. Got a few more followers. Jennifer Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: oh, also colloquially, um, he didn't want to tweet it because he wasn't sure how to put it together without like <laughs> getting in some trubs. But, um, our so let's f- talk about it on the internet. Well, no, but our good friend Jonathan came up to me at a work event and sort of like made a little joke about how um, he doesn't really understand the experience of fat women, but he's glad that we like talked about it. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> he just... He always appreciates, I think, the as we all do, the opportunity to sort of put yourself in someone else's shoes and like listen to a thing about an experience that you haven't had, but that you know is important to other people.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and then you know we're also lining up some some more guests. Like it's, I think it's been a lot of episodes that it's just the two of us, which is you know, which is fine, which mm. is good. It's fun. It's it's an excuse for us to get together and uh, you know, uh, what my mother calls drill muck and blast.
1: Ew. Like
0: it's a geolo- geology thing. It's when my dad gets together to top shop, talk shop with his buddies. Weirdly sexual. Okay. Don't like it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that should not, shan't be mentioned again. <laughs> um, but otherwise, yeah, that's that's about it. What's been going on in the social media realm, um, which is one of the ways you can reach us. But there's lots mm-hmm. of other ways that you can reach us as well. Sam, let's just pretend for a hot second. That someone wanted to talk to us about something.
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many ways. Yeah. But you can find them all in the same place. You just take your little self down to sslibrarianship.com. <gasps> I can't believe we got the domain. I know, right? So good. Um, and there, you could order yourself a little bit of swag if the spirit moved you. In the form of buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could send us an email or you could tweet either at the show or at either of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are Tumblr links there, although Allie's been around on it Tumblr a, a lot more than me It is massively
0: neglected Tumblr at this point. <laughs> I'm kind of
1: afraid to go back. It'll just all be people like being like, Sam, are you dead? Yeah, probably. <laughs>
0: You will probably get a couple links from me of like me sending you things I thought were funny like four months ago. Ooh,
1: that's actually kind of a reason to go back. (laughs) There's also a feedback form you can fill out right there on the website if you just don't feel like opening any other tabs or Mm -hmm, doing mm -hmm. any logging in or anything. Um, And please do follow us on social media too, um, at Librarianship, but also uh, you can find both of our personal Twitters there as well. And we're always Mm -hmm. happy to have you join that conversation any way you feel. Uh, And I guess all that's left is to thank Jonathan Golden and then thank him again because I didn't last week. Yes, we forgot. So rusty. Yeah. Uh, For the use of our theme song Glasses off the album Artificial Heart, which is a great album and if you haven't checked it out, you should go check it out. And his whole back
0: catalog too.
1: Oh yeah, totally. It's super fun. It gets like weirder and rougher the further back you go, but there are still always gems no Mm -hmm. matter what, like even at the very beginning. It's funny, um, I was at, I threw a barbecue this weekend um, up in my hometown and one of my friends up there passed me his phone at one point and, and got me to like scroll through his music. <laughs> the only thing I recognized in there. Oh, wait, no. Billy Talent um, and sure. also Natch. Jonathan Colton. So <laughs> brings people together. There you go. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess that's it for us, guys. Um, I'm glad we were able to bring you another regular episode. No hiatus, no apologies, no shame whatsoever. I realize you just
1: jinxed me and now my computer will die between now and Monday.
0: <laughs> my evil plan is complete. <laughs> Alright, guys. We'll just catch you on the Ferber of this myth.